Hi everyone, welcome to my podcast, Life and Money with Christine Tay. My name is Christine Tay. I'm the founder of Tay Financial Coaching, where I help people transform their relationship with money. I am also a LinkedIn coach, helping people with their personal brand on LinkedIn. I also love talking about life and self-growth, since spirituality is an important part of my life. In this podcast, you will hear talks about money, social media, and life. I hope you enjoy the episodes. Please leave a review if you do. I'd really appreciate that. You can check my services and LinkedIn online course by going to my website at www.tefinancialcoaching. That's T-E-H-financialcoaching.com. Thank you. Today's episode is a live stream interview with estate planning attorney Shannon Liu Shear. I've had a number of estate planning attorneys come on my show because there's a lot to learn about estate planning. I always learn something new with each guest I have. In this interview, we chat about the topics below. Estate planning, how you can avoid probate and ensure your wishes are followed. Planning for digital assets since we live in a digital world now and special needs planning, plus many more topics that we talk about. Thank you, and I hope you enjoy the show. If you do, I'd really appreciate it. You can pause and write me a review so I can reach more people. Hi, Shannon. Hi. Hi, nice thanks for being you. on. Yeah, so, you know, I'm, I've am i had a couple of estate planning attorneys come on my live show, and then it's just, you know, it's always just a fun topic. There's always something new to talk about, so I really appreciate you joining in to talk more about that, to educate more people about it. So so why don't we get started by um, you introducing yourself? Uh, sounds good. So I am Shannon Leo Cher. Um, as Christine mentioned, I'm an estate planning attorney uh, located in Fremont, California, which is in the East Bay. It's about an hour south of San Francisco, maybe 20, 30 minutes north of San Jose. Um, so I started my firm actually three years ago this month. Um, so oh, wow. exciting. Yeah. Uh, but I've been an attorney since nine years ago. Um, and, uh, you know, really love what I do. Um, uh, my focus is on helping people develop a comprehensive, customized plan while giving them compassionate services. Uh, because I know that when we're talking about anything, whether it's financial coaching, whether it's any sort of professional services, it's very scary for people. And so for them to be able to talk to someone who they trust, they feel like they can have a good connection, feel like they are having um, you know, their questions answered, but also having questions that they didn't even know they had answered um, is really important. Um, and then as you can see in the background, I, I do have a child that's from a few years ago, um, mm -hmm. but I have a daughter who she's almost six years old and a son who is four years old. Um, and so a lot of times when I'm thinking about estate planning, uh, particularly when my clients have minor children, you know, I really understand the things that they're going through. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So why don't we get started? Like, what is estate planning? Mm -hmm. So estate planning, I know, is a, you know, when you hear that, you think, oh, what does that mean? Um, mm -hmm. You know, it sounds very serious. Um, but really, we want to make sure with estate planning that we are thinking about what do we want to happen? 
if we cannot make the decisions. Um, mm -hmm. Typically, sometimes people hear the word estate and they mm -hmm. think, oh, that must be someone who has, you know, multi-million or billion dollar um, assets. Uh, but really an estate is meaning anything that you have. So if something happens to you, who would you want to manage that? Who would you want your assets to go to? Whether it's a house, whether it's your personal items, your bank accounts, um, that's what we're focusing on with estate planning. So it's not just one thing that we're doing, but we're really considering, you know, who do we trust? Who do we want to benefit? Who do we want to make decisions if we're unable to? either due to incapacity or due to us not being here. Um, and, you know, I know it can seem very scary, but it is one of those types of fields where, you know, we can really develop a, a, a plan that satisfies people's practical goals, but also their emotional needs as well, while fulfilling the legal requirements of the state that they're in. So everything mm -hmm. that I'm discussing today is not officially legal advice, and I am a California-based attorney. Um, so everything that I'm talking about is based on my experiences in California. Um, some mm -hmm. states may have different types of laws, um, but technically speaking, each state does have some form of estate planning that people would be doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, why did you choose uh, estate planning out of multiple <laughs> um specialties mm -hmm. um so you know i think that my path kind of is uh when i started law school it was kind of like oh no i would never want to do estate planning it seems too morbid it seems too uh too depressing um but i really changed over the time for instance when i first started law school i actually helped um with a pro bono case with an elderly woman um creating her will. So that was my first experience with it. Then I took the class, learned more. And then I think really um, getting to know more people, becoming a mom and understanding how practical this is, but also how important it is to guide people in a manner that they feel comfortable. Um, mm -hmm. That was a way that I could help. Um, so I have a psychology background. And uh, so a lot of people would ask me, well, why did you do law? And um, psychology is all about learning to meet people where mm -hmm. they're at, counseling yep. them. And I feel like estate planning is the perfect blend of the legal regulations, mm -hmm. understanding the law, the rules, but also being able to help people figure out their interests, figure out their mm -hmm. goals in a way that we're making everything mesh together. Got it. So you you were an estate planning attorney, you said nine years ago, and then you you went on your own three years ago. Um, yes, I, I started my firm three years ago. Yeah. Um, so awesome. yeah, mm -hmm. you're you're your own entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so estate planning. So tell tell us more about that. Like you know, like why? I mean, one of the important things is to avoid mm -hmm. probate. So if you can just talk about you know what probate is, and then what how when that usually happen, and then like I mean, how much assets is typically when you go to probate or when do you mm -hmm. even avoid that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Certainly. So typically speaking, when people are thinking of probate, uh, of estate planning, they are looking to, um, to bypass probate. And what probate is, is it's a judge guided process mm -hmm. where a judge works with the remaining family to determine who does everything go to. Um, mm -hmm. Typically speaking, that first means that the family remaining has to get on the judge's calendar. Now with COVID, with uh, cal uh, with courts having been closed for a while, 
that actually could take a really long time. Um, in the past, a usual probate process could maybe take a year from start to finish, but now we don't know how long it could be. So a lot of people are even more concerned. Mm. But in any case, during probate, a judge and a probate examiner, they kind of figure out, is there a will? They figure out, you know, um, who is the family? Um, they figure out what are the assets within the um, person's estate. So mm -hmm. during that time period where they're inventorying everything, they're determining who everything should go to, mm -hmm. the assets are frozen, um, which can be quite troubling if family members needed to pay for funeral expenses, et cetera. They're doing that out of pocket oh, until they yeah. can get everything assigned by the judge's order to determine yeah. who does everything go to. Yeah. Um, but so probate is something that actually in California, it is invoked at a pretty low threshold. Um, for 2020, it is invoked when you have um, $166,250 worth of assets that have not been appropriately planned for. Mm -hmm. If you pass away, then those assets would have to go through that probate process. Mm -hmm. um, and probate can take a lot of time. Like I mentioned, it can bring up a lot of conflict, a lot of stress. Um, and also it can be quite expensive. Uh, generally in California, the probate estimate can be about 4% of an estate. So paying for the court fees, paying for an attorney, if your yep. estate is roughly a million dollars, then about $46,000 may be going to pay those fees before wow. anything goes to your family. Um, and when people hear yeah. that, they think like, okay, well, that's definitely something that I don't want my family to have to deal with. Yeah. Wow. So t tell us more, but um, so what's will like in, in a, like, what's the difference between trust and will and will, yeah. I mean, is will and trust part of the estate planning? Um, so that is a common question because a lot of times when we hear, oh, a celebrity passed away or something, we'll hear a lot about the will, um, but people don't hear as much about a trust. Mm -hmm. And um, they are somewhat different, but they do have some, um, some relevance in general. So mm -hmm. um, to start off, a trust basically is a contract saying, what do you want to happen to those assets? So if I create a trust, then I'm saying that you know, my house, my bank accounts that I've linked to the trust, all of that, what do I want to happen should something happen to me? So when I'm alive, I'm still making the decisions, even though I've placed those assets into the trust. Um, but the financial institutions, the county recorder know that because it's a trust asset, if something happens to me, that does not go through probate, then the person who I've trusted, the trustee, they are able to manage it out to administer based on my wishes in the trust and not go through probate. Um, so that is the trust. And the trust is what bypasses probate because we've already created this contract. We've already during our lifetimes linked these assets to the trust. And so it is easy to follow. A will, which people hear about more often, is actually something that designates your wishes but it doesn't do anything unless you have passed away. So your will, you can designate things like if you have young children under 18, who would you want to take care of them as the guardian if something happens to you? Mm -hmm. Your will can also designate what you want to happen to your personal possessions, et cetera. Um, but if you have a will by itself, as opposed to a will connected to a trust, the will does not bypass probate. 
So if you have those assets over $166,250 in California and something happens to you with a will, those assets will still go through probate. Mm -hmm. uh, though the probate process will probably be simpler mm -hmm. than if you didn't have a will, it still requires the family to have to go through with the court process. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So so in the trust, you still need a will, right? When Correct. You do estate planning. Okay, cool. Um, okay, so I know you, you were talking about planning for digital assets. So tell us more, what is digital assets? <laughs> and then like, what kind of planning are you talking about when it comes to digital assets? Mm -hmm. uh, so as you know, as the world keeps moving, there's more and more technology and there's more different types of accounts that we have, different types of currencies like cryptocurrency, et cetera, um, that you know, make life maybe more convenient, more exciting. But they also could mean that with regards to planning, we have to be a little bit more prudent. Um, so when we're talking about a digital asset, we're talking about, you know, your online accounts. We're talking about, um, you know, your social media accounts, et cetera. Anything that's tied to you as a digital persona, as well as things like cryptocurrencies or things that are on the blockchain technology. Um, and so a few years ago, uh, the U.S. had created what was called the Uniform uh, Fiduciary Access to Digital Assets Act. And what that had said was, uh, you can set up your planning to include who could manage those digital accounts, digital assets for you if you cannot. Um, and then that act got revised to have the revised act um, because there were some concerns. We want to make sure whoever is managing them doesn't have too much power where there will be fraud or there will be um, the ability to take advantage of people. Mm -hmm. So essentially what that says is we can appoint our trustee or our executor whoever it is to be able to manage those accounts on our behalf so, um, um, now right. go ahead um uh, just really quick can you explain what's executor and what's trustee for those who don't sure know? um mm -hmm. so the executor is the person who is executing your wishes through the will. Um, the trustee is the person who is taking care of the finances with regards to the trust. Mm -hmm. That being said, generally speaking, the executor and the trustee, although mm -hmm. they are different titles, typically mm -hmm. is the same person um, because they are just the person who's managing the different affairs, the different issues that may come up. Um, but so, even though it's typically the same person, uh, depending on what exactly they have to do, it can be under the executor role or under the trustee role. Mm -hmm. Got mm -hmm. it. Got it. Okay. So someone asks, um, in very general terms, what is the cost associated with probate? And then Jason has another question. Mm -hmm. So um, after this, go ahead. Sure. Um, so in terms of the costs uh, associated with probate, and this is just mm -hmm. speaking about California, mm -hmm. uh, California actually tends to be more of a pain with regards <laughs> to probate. Um, there are yeah. some states where people are not as concerned about making trusts and more likely will mm -hmm. use a will because the probate process is not as, um, as bad. But in mm -hmm. California, typically speaking, a general probate may be around 4% of an estate mm -hmm. when we are factoring in the court fees, factoring in attorney's fees yeah. to go through that. So does the attorney usually charge a it's based on percentage of assets? So like you said, it was the minimum 166 something thousand. So so like so they usually go 4% of that, even though you you 
may only have $200,000. So it's always by percentage. So there are statutory limitations for how much an attorney oh. can charge. And it is based okay. on a percentage of the assets. Okay. So generally speaking, an attorney who's working on a probate case, uh, they can't know the exact amount that they're going to receive from finishing the probate until they know exactly what the assets are and everything associated with that. Mm -hmm. Got it. Okay. So Jason um, asked, can you repeat the act name regarding the digital assets? Sure. Um, let me look it up exactly because it's a really long <laughs> act. Um, yeah. So it originally was the Uniform Fiduciary Access to Digital Assets mm -hmm. Act. But then because it was revised, now it is the revised Uniform Fiduciary Access to Digital Assets Act. So it's a very long name. Yeah, I, I don't even remember all the tax laws, so I have to like Google it up. Like we can memorize all this, like the numbers, like whatever, all these ranges. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> Google it. Okay, so I hope that answered your question. Thank you very much. And then, so let's talk about special needs planning. And then before we get there, like talk about, you know, what, what does it mean to be special needs? Mm -hmm. So when mm -hmm. we're thinking about special needs um, with regards to planning, uh, what we're considering mostly is whether that person is receiving government benefits based on their particular need. So in California, usually we're looking at whether they are receiving Medi-Cal. Um, different states have their own sort of um, state-specific Medi-Cal type of program. And um, for California, Medi-Cal means that first, you have a disability or an incapacity. And second, it's income-based, meaning that if your income or your available resources exceed a certain threshold, then the government will start diminishing the amount of the benefit that you can get because they're saying, hey, you have enough access to certain money that you don't need our, um, you don't need our benefits as much. So mm -hmm. when we're thinking about special needs planning, first we're thinking about a person who fits that categorization. Mm -hmm. And then we're thinking about maybe their family or their loved ones. They still want to make sure that their special needs family mm -hmm. member mm -hmm. can inherit assets, mm -hmm. but they also do not want to eliminate those government mm -hmm. benefits. Yeah. So the special needs planning essentially is a way to make sure that your family member can receive those benefits um, and they are not managing the benefits, but a third party, whether it's a family member, a, a professional fiduciary is the one managing it so that it's not considered an available resource for the special needs person, um, yet they're still able to get all the access to the resources they need, the benefits, the um, different supplements, as well as the um, support that the loved ones would like to give them. Mm -hmm. Got it. So um, tell us like, okay, so if, if someone comes to you, for, oh, actually before we get there, so mm -hmm. when is it typically, um, when should someone start thinking about estate planning? Like, is it like when they start working? How old are they? What should be the triggers? When should they start adulting to do mm -hmm. estate planning? Um, to be quite honest, uh, estate planning is good to consider when you're able to. And uh, generally speaking, you're able to when you turn 18 years old. Um, so estate planning at that point may not be thinking mm -hmm. about all of the money aspects, but mm -hmm. it may be thinking about incapacity. For mm -hmm. instance, if you're 18 and you've left home mm -hmm. for college, um, mm -hmm. something happens to you, you cannot make your financial decisions, then a power of attorney would allow whoever you trust to take care of that for you. 
or your healthcare directive as another issue. If you cannot make your healthcare decisions, then the healthcare directive would allow the person who you trust to be able to speak to your doctor, review your medical records, make those decisions, that sort of a thing. But when we're regarding, you know, anything beyond that, um, it's always prudent to look into, but I think it's really a risk tolerance issue. Um, estate planning is something that can be very emotional. It can be difficult for people to discuss. Um, so it's important to feel ready to discuss these issues. Uh, and generally speaking, that is when people have either, you know, they heard about somebody who passed away and their family had to go through probate or they knew someone who passed away and then they had the trust and it made it much easier for the family or different concerns that lead them to think, okay, this is the time to start preparing. Um, so there's no, you know, the, the best answer is usually yesterday if you're already an adult, uh, but there's no shame in the fact that it took longer because it was hard to start thinking about this. Mm -hmm, so, okay, so if someone comes to you for estate planning, like how long does it typically work? Like, I mean, what's the mm -hmm. process like? And then I guess for just, um, maybe a simple person, a single person, you know, uh, like me with, let's say two dogs. So how, how long will the process take and how, what's mm -hmm. usually the process like? So the process really depends. Uh, in a general scenario, you know, where clients are able to uh, schedule out the appointments, they're able to make their decisions, I'd say it probably could take around a month or longer. Um, but sometimes people are really busy, they, you know, have to keep pushing it back. Or sometimes they have a hard time making decisions about, you know, if this happened, then what do I want to be taken care of? And then if this happened, then what do I want to do? So it may require more handholding for certain clients, more discussion and thought about the different contingencies. Um, mm -hmm. But generally for my firm, uh, we tend to take a very customized approach because we want to make sure that clients feel that they've been held through step by step. They mm -hmm. understand what their options are. They understand what the documents say and they feel educated about what everything does. Mm -hmm. um, so typically we'll have a consultation, get to know the clients. Uh, if they feel ready to move forward, that's where we need to start having paperwork. Um, and then we'd have a session where we're designing everything and we have this big rubric of all the different situations mm -hmm. that may happen, mm -hmm. things that we need to consider. Um, sometimes clients are very ready to make all the decisions. Sometimes they're not. But when all those options have been handled, then that's when we are drafting the documents um, per the law, per the client's wishes. Um, and then after that, the clients get to review the documents mm -hmm. so they can see what are the things they have questions about and we can discuss all that. Mm -hmm. And then the final step is when we actually sign off on the documents and execute them. Um, mm -hmm. So like I mentioned, it could be, take a month, it could take longer. Um, but the big thing I think for clients you know, to know or for anyone to know who's um, thinking about estate planning is that it's good to speak with somebody who wants to have a long-term relationship with you. For instance, after the plan is done, if you buy a new house and you're not sure how to associate it with the trust, if you open up a new account, if you have another yeah. child or something happens with your family, it is very important that you can continue discussing that with your attorney. Um, because even though we are thinking about a plan short-term, mid-term, long-term, if mm -hmm. things change, we do still want to make sure that that is addressed appropriately so that the plan still works as intended. 
Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. Okay. Cool. So it's about amount. So, like, how often? Um. So for your past clients, like, how often do they need to update their estate plan usually after they're done? Like, is a part of the package that you already provide them if they need to change it within the year? You don't charge them if they change it. I don't know. If they get married, you know, within a year mm-hmm. or later after a year, like, do you charge them extra? I guess they have to change the estate plan, right? Because now there's instead of one person, it's gonna be two person now. Mm-hmm. So in the uh, case of if somebody is getting married, uh, likely speaking, they need to do a lot of thought process um, with regards to is this trust going to be for the both of them? In that case, they may need to need to redo everything. Um, um, or they may be thinking, do they need a prenuptial agreement? And then maybe they're making this trust they had from before their mm-hmm. separate trust, mm-hmm. and then having a joint trust with their spouse. Mm-hmm. Um, so that gets into family law issues. Um But in terms of if people have minor changes, you know, we like to assess those and then give them the flat fee for that um, so that they know what that will be. Um, But generally speaking, because we have thought through the different contingencies, people don't often have to make changes. Um, If they, for instance, they come to do their estate planning and the um, someone is already pregnant, And when they have their baby, then, you know, I'm willing to update their wills to include their new child um, without any extra cost. Um, But, you know, when there are significant changes, then we do need to make sure that those are addressed and make sure everyone is aware of what that will entail. Got it. And then what if they move to another state? Because you're Mm -hmm. in California. So let's say they move to another state. Then what happened? Like, do you have to change an attorney's? Because then it's going to the law is going to change, you know, because it's different state. Mm-hmm. So California, um, like you said, it is state specific. If somebody decides to move to a different county, a different part of California, they don't have to worry about anything mm-hmm. um, with regards to that move. If mm-hmm. somebody does move out of state and they're mm-hmm. planning to stay out of California, then it's highly recommended that they see an attorney in that state mm-hmm. to see what yep. needs to be changed, to see if they need a trust for that state. Um, to also see what the different tax laws are there. Um, Mm. Because California is right now, it's only subject to the federal estate tax. There is no California specific estate tax. That's probably the only tax benefit to being in California. Mm -hmm. Whereas other states may have their own state specific estate tax. Mm -hmm. Um, So if that's the case, it's also important for people to be aware of that and see if that will affect the complexity of their planning. Mm Okay, so you said estate tax is only at the federal level when you live in California. California. So, -hmm. like, um, how does that get taxed for people? Um, So, the federal estate tax exemption for this year is eleven point five eight million dollars per person. That's like Um, so it's quite high. (laughs) (laughs) And um, when you're a married couple, if you're both U.S. Mm -hmm. citizens, Mm -hmm. then you can put those together Mm -hmm. um, to be twenty three point one six million dollars that you can gift upon your passing without there being an estate tax. Mm -hmm. That being said, those numbers are valid until the end of 2025. We'll have to see what happens at that point. Um, Previously, the estate tax exemption was around $5.5 million per Mm -hmm. person. So Mm -hmm. between a married couple, roughly um, $11 million. So generally speaking, Mm -hmm. the federal estate tax doesn't typically impact most people. For instance, Mm -hmm. like 20 years ago, the estate tax was much lower And so people had to be more creative and think about the tax. Even if the estate tax is decreased, the estate tax exemption is decreased Mm -hmm. in the future, Mm -hmm. most people will not be worried about that. They'll still be more concerned about avoiding probate. Mm -hmm. 
Got it, got it. Okay, wow. Like, there's a lot to learn about estate uh, tax um, <laughs> or estate planning. So, yeah, is there anything else that um you can give, like, advice to people who are, like, still kind of, like, you know, debating, should I get estate plan? Should I do mm -hmm. this? Should I do that? Like, what, what, I mean, like, I think cost is actually a big thing for a lot of people. So it's like, so, you know, like, I mean, what kind of, um, yeah, I guess what kind of advice can you give them mm -hmm. because then just for them? Because in probate, some people think like, okay, like they're going to pass away anyway. Then why do I have to worry mm -hmm. about this? Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I'm not going to be here anyway. So why do I have to worry? Right. So yeah, if you have some last, you know, last advice. Certainly. Like, um, so going back to the digital assets first, uh, the big reason that you know things people may start investing now in cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, um, Ethereum, things of that nature, um, as you know, those types of currencies are meant to be confidential. And so um, yeah. they don't have things like accounts that we can easily access if someone happens, something happens to them. So when people do have cryptocurrencies, it is a highly suggested idea to get your estate planning done, but also to make sure that your attorney knows what to do about those assets. Because mm -hmm. if that's not clear, if there's not the correct um, authorizations made, the trustee doesn't know about it, then there could be issues where that cryptocurrency is just essentially gone. It, it's lost in you know the wilderness. Um, in terms of the other questions about things people should know about estate planning, um, so I was speaking to another attorney today, and a good way that she put it is, uh, although it can be, you know, you do have to put up some cost in order to have a good estate plan, um, if you decide to do it yourself, if you decide to use an attorney who does not take the time or is not competent with estate planning, then for the long run, you may be paying more because there may be issues with having to get everything redone. The family may still have to go through probate if the estate plan was not properly made, doesn't follow the wishes or wasn't funded. So it is something to consider that even though we live in an age of, oh, what is the easiest thing to do? What is the most cost effective plan? We do want to make sure that we are thinking this through um, with regards to, you know, who we're using, what we're doing with the planning. Um, yep. I, I do understand that, you know, it is a tough time. People are very stressed mm -hmm. out. Um, mm -hmm. So they are thinking about estate planning more. Um, mm -hmm. But I do highly recommend people, you know, still take some time to think through mm -hmm. their wishes. Uh, because mm -hmm. the last thing that you want is that someone doesn't understand their plan, or they realize shortly after they've made it that they don't understand what it says, or it doesn't fit their wishes, and then they regret it. Uh, we want to leave the estate planning process feeling sense of relief, feeling like we thought through everything, like everything is connected, so there won't be problems. Um, mm -hmm. So that is something to consider, uh, that we're not just thinking about getting a document done, but we're thinking about really having a well-thought-out plan. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the last thing that I like to tell people is that we generally don't expect anything to happen to our clients soon. Although we will have clients who maybe they have a um, difficult diagnosis or something is going on, for most people, this is just a preventive measure um, to think about for the long term. So when you're thinking about estate planning, you know, don't feel like, oh, well, or try not to feel nervous that this means you think something's going to happen. Uh, the best way to view it is that we're just making these preparations and we're thinking it through so that later on we don't have to stress out and rush with it. 
Um, I know for many people, many cultures, many people's personal histories, they feel very reluctant to talk about this planning. Um, so it is important to, you know, validate those feelings, but also make sure that when you're going through this, that you are taking it in a methodical, thorough manner. Good. Okay. So Kyle have a question. Are you allowed to pass real estate holdings to your children without it being taxed? Um, so again, we have to look at what state we're talking about and, um, you know, differences with that. Um, currently in California, um, it's kind of a twofold thing. Um, there's currently what's called the parent to child exemption exclusion, meaning that right now, say you bought your home 20 years ago and you have, you know, X dollar amount for your property taxes um, and you still are holding on to that same um, same level, it's not being reassessed. Um, if you pass away and your home is going to your children at that time, uh, then for your primary residence, they would retain that same um, property tax uh, basis. Um, and for other properties that you may have, valuation of up to a million dollars in aggregate for those properties, you would still get that property tax uh, reassessment exclusion. Um, there are also differences, for instance, for regards to capital gains and um, cost basis of homes when they are sold for capital gains reasons um, that would make it, generally speaking, more of um, a prudent idea to gift to your children upon your passing as opposed to trying to gift it to them during your lifetimes, putting their names on the deed uh, right now um, for various tax reasons. But also, if you put your child's name on a deed right now, and then you later decide to sell your house, then the kids have to agree to that, and they might not. <laughs> Got it. Okay, good question, Kyle. Okay, so I mean, unless there's any more questions or you have any more last minute words, um, yeah, why don't you tell people like how can people find you? I know you're on Instagram, mm -hmm. you're on LinkedIn. So it's like, you know, I mean, are you open people connecting with you or like where do you usually pose, you know, or like where are you the most active? Um, certainly. So I'm not as good at social media as Christine is, um, but I, I do have a Facebook page, um, which mm -hmm. is uh it's, it's Leo Sherlaw, so L-I-U-S as in Stephen, H-A-I-R-L-A-W. Same thing for the Instagram, Leo Sherlaw. I am on LinkedIn as well um, under you know my name as well as the firm's name. Um, if people have general questions, they can always contact the office. Um, the office's email address is hello at leosherlaw.com. Um, and then we can always you know get some more information and see about chatting. Um, Again, I am licensed in California, so if people are from a different state or even if they're not in the Bay Area and they're looking for an attorney recommendation, I'm more than happy to uh, introduce people to the trusted attorneys in my network um, because it is it is hard to find a, a professional that you know you can trust, you know they're going to do a good job. Um, so it's certainly helpful to have that first step of knowing who to go to. Um, but otherwise, you know, I am um, located in Fremont. Um, nowadays, a lot of my clients come from all over the Bay Area. Um, it's a little bit easier now um, for people to, you know, be accessible mm -hmm. throughout the Bay Area. Actually, before we leave, someone just ask another question. Okay. If someone has properties across multiple states, does he or she need one trust or multiple trusts? How does that work? 
Mm -hmm. So um, if you are living in California and you have uh, uh, houses, say for instance, in Nevada or in other states as well, your mm -hmm. trust can still be situst in California. That being said, what happens with a deed for a house when we create a trust mm -hmm. is we are going to want to change the deed to that house to be reflective of still having your name, but also having mm -hmm. the trust on it. That way the state, the county know should something happen to you, there is a trust that has to be followed to take care of that asset instead of mm -hmm. probate. So when there are assets out of state, uh, then we would also want to make sure that those deeds are also appropriately notarized, recorded, and um, associated with your trust. So that's mm -hmm. actually not a problem. Um, it is a more frequent issue that comes up um, mm -hmm. as people you know, may have investment properties in different states, mm -hmm. or maybe they moved over time and they know they're going to stay in California, so mm -hmm. they still kept that property somewhere else, but they've decided to move um, and stay in California. Got it. Good question. Um, Okay, so um, I will um, so yeah, okay, so, as you know, so feel free to just message Shannon or so I will tag you on LinkedIn so people can message you if they need to. And then yeah, you know, you're in the Bay Area, California. Every, anyone who needs estate plan in California, reach mm -hmm. out to Shannon. So okay, so yeah, thank you so much, Shannon. This thank is really you. helpful. And then, um, you know, I always learn something new every time I talk about estate planning. You're probably like the <laughs> lawyer here and then like there's always something you need to learn so i'm certainly I'm trying to like the topic of estate planning <laughs> <laughs> and like you know there's always updates too so you know mm -hmm. when people work yeah. with an attorney they want to make sure their attorney also keeps them updated on the law mm -hmm. because like i mentioned even though the estate tax exemption doesn't affect most people mm -hmm. it is still good to be aware of what the updates are and any developments so um mm -hmm. it's always good to talk about it you know make sure i remember what i'm what i'm doing and help others mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So thanks so much, Christine Shan. This was very helpful. Okay. Thank, thank you. you, Shannon. Okay. Have a good, uh, good night, everyone. <laughs> thank you. Bye. Bye, bye. Thank you for listening to my podcast episode. Please feel free to leave a review and follow me on LinkedIn. You can find me by my full name. Christine Tay. That's T-E-H. I am also on Instagram and YouTube under my company name, Tay Financial Coaching. You can check my services and LinkedIn online course by going to my website at www.tayfinancialcoaching.com. I will see you on the next episode. Thank you.